The title of our lesson tonight is The Great Physician. In Psalm chapter 6 and verse 2, the scripture says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. In Psalm chapter 41 and verse 4, the Bible says, I said, Lord, be merciful unto me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. In Psalm chapter 147 and verse 3, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14, it says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 to 13, the scripture says, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, Many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. There are about 13,000 different diseases that can affect the human body. There is a lot of money spent each year fighting these diseases. And if you've had any doctor bills lately, you know that it is going up every year the money that it takes to fight these, these physical diseases. However, there is just one disease that affects the souls of humanity. And this disease is the worst of all. And it's the disease of sin. Every person needs to take action to be cured from the disease of sin by Jesus, the great physician. First of all, a person must realize that they are sick before they will seek a cure. Now, does that make sense? When a person is physically sick, their body begins to tell them that they're sick. They begin to have uh, symptoms, or they might have some pains, or they may, have, they may have something going on with them, and their body has a way of telling them that they are sick. The uh, way a person can know that they are spiritually sick is by hearing the Word of God preached and or reading the for themselves. They're not going to be able to know that they're physically sick without looking at the scriptures or having the scriptures preached unto them. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, the scripture says, Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which is preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. So you're saved by the preaching of the gospel. 
by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. In James chapter 1, verse 25, the scripture says, But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So when a person looks into the perfect law of liberty, which is the specifically here the New Testament, they, that is the only time that they can see who they really are spiritually. When he uses this scripture here, and he, in the verse before it, likens the law of liberty as a person looking into a mirror. Now, <clears throat> when a person looks into the mirror, that is what they look like. Now, I know that's over oversimplifying things, but that's what he's talking about. So, if a person sees a picture of themselves and I don't particularly like pictures of myself but if I were to see a picture of myself and I were to say that's not what I look like well it is what I look like now, it might not be what I think I look like. I might think that I'm much slimmer and much taller. And I see the picture of that person that is not as slim and as tall as I thought that I was. But that's what I look like. That's exactly what I look like. The picture of me, that's, that's what I look like. And when, you, when you're looking to... The mirror, that's, that's what we look like. So when you look into the perfect law of liberty, and when a person looks into the mirror, like it or not, that is what we look like. And when a person looks into the law of liberty, and they look at their, their lives and see that what they are doing is not matching up with the perfect law of liberty. What they believe is not matching up with the perfect law of liberty, then it's the truth. Because the mirror does not lie. When a person looks into the perfect law of liberty, they are going to see the definition of sin. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, the Bible says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law for sin is the transgression of the law. It's very simple. There are laws in the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 it says bear ye one another burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I know that some of our brethren and some of the denominational people say there's no laws in the New Testament. Well, I'm sorry. The law of Christ, the perfect law of liberty says that there are laws. And a law is there for man's own good. Mankind is there for his own good. Every thing in the New Testament that God says that you must do, it's for your own good. Everything that God says in the New Testament for us not to do is for our own good. Take, for instance, uh, man's law of the speed limit. Think if there were no laws against traveling at a high speed. Well, the faster you go, the uh, more likely you are to um, have a catastrophe with that 6,000 pound bomb that you're riding in. 
It's not safe to travel 110 miles per hour in a vehicle. That's why there's law, there are laws on the books to keep people, to try to keep people from traveling that fast. And every law in, on the books in the New Testament are there for our own good. When a person looks into the perfect law of liberty, they are going to see that sin is what separates us from God. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities. Iniquities are sins. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. There are certain people in this country, this, this physical, national, this nation, there are certain people that are really good at making light of sin and then putting it on television. If they can get you to laugh at sin, then you'll accept it you'll be more likely to accept it if they can get you to laugh at it. Well, it's not funny. Sin is not funny. It's not funny at all. Because sin, which is a transgression of the law of God, is what separates man from God. When a person looks into that law of liberty, the perfect law of liberty, they will see that everybody has the same Spiritual disease. So there are 13, about 13,000 different physical diseases known to man. And there may be 13,000 people with 13,000 different diseases. But everybody that is of the age of accountability has the same spiritual disease problem is the problem of sin. In Romans chapter 3 verse 23 the Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter 10, uh, 3 and verse 10 as it is written there is none righteous no not one. Then they will see that if this disease goes uncured. The disease of sin, if it goes uncured, then that person will spend eternity separated from God. Now, how long is eternity? There is no time. It, there's no way to say how long eternity is because you cannot measure it because there's no time there. You see? You see that thing on the, on the wall back there is round. It's got two hands on it. There's none of those in eternity. There's no time there. When a person starts to think about it, and people need to think about eternity. When a person starts to think about e the word eternal and eternity, they just, they just start to think about it. It means the realm that never had a beginning and never has an end. That is, that's beyond, that's beyond my comprehension. That is what God is. He's eternal. That's what Jesus is. He's eternal. And that is what our soul is. Our soul is eternal. And if you, and God forbid, if you, do, if you want to do away with your body, you can do that. Don't do it. But if you want to do that, then you can do that. But you cannot do away with your soul. You see? It's going to be somewhere. So, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
And a person must realize that they are sick before they begin to seek for a cure. Number two. A person, person must realize that there is only one cure for this particular disease. When a person becomes physically ill, they may go to the doctor and not like what they hear. It's very possible. If you go to the doctor and you don't like what the doctor says, that particular doctor, then you're free to go to another doctor. Well, you are free, but your insurance company says that you can only go to these certain doctors. But you are free to go to that other doctor. You may have to pay for it out of your pocket, but you can go to that other doctor and get what they call a second opinion. And if you don't like that one, you can go to the next doctor. You can just keep going until there are no more doctors. But when a person comes, realizes that they are sin sick, they realize it, they, they see it, they finally realize that they are sin sick. And if a person comes to the great physician for healing, then they are going to get the same diagnosis as anybody else. Your sins have separated between you and your God. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And he's going to prescribe the same medication to me, Everybody in this building is of an age of accountability. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1 verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. In Matthew chapter 26 verse 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, for as much as you were not, know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So the only substance that is strong enough to blot out sin is the blood of Christ Jesus. It's not good works. It's not uh, a whole bag full of other things that people claim that can forgive sins. It's the blood of Christ. This is very serious. Very serious. Number three, you must come to the great physician if you want to be healed. How many times have you heard some statement like this? He knows he is sick, but he won't go to the doctor. A lot of that goes on. You know, you don't have to go to the doctor. And I don't know, you know, I'm not trying to get into some kind of opinion uh, thing here, but uh, if you feel some really bad hurting in your abdomen, you don't have to go to the doctor. Gonna die, I mean, probably, but you don't have to go. You know, if you if you break your leg, and if you break your ankle, like a fellow I knew one time, he helped us on the farm for thirty nine and three quarter years. 
And he, had a, he was walking around with a broken ankle. He broke his ankle, but he was not going to go to the doctor. And finally, the pain got so bad that he, he just had to go. And Gan Green had already start, started setting up in, his, in his, uh, his ankle. So, you know, if you break your ankle, if you're out, outside in the garden and you break your ankle, you don't have to go to the doctor. You just get gangrene and lose your leg and then probably die an early painful death, but you don't have to go. And you don't have to come to Jesus. You don't have to. You sure don't. But I'm telling you, if you realize that you are sin sick and you don't come to Jesus, you're going to die and go to hell. You are, that's where you're going. And it only gets worse. You know, when somebody's physically sick, uh, you take any disease. Um, I guess the most prevalent disease is cancer. It's a terrible disease. And, or maybe you've got a, a sinus infection. And you just don't treat that sinus infection. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Well, if you don't get treatment for sin, it gets worse and worse and worse. And it starts to tear down families and it starts to set up and fester and it causes all sorts of problems. But Jesus has the only cure and you can't get any treatment anywhere else. And he will not give you treatment unless you come to him. Now, I've, I've got a cousin, and I will admit, I've got a, well, he's actually my daddy's first cousin, but uh, his mama was my granddaddy's baby sister, and he came along late in life. So actually, he's in my generation. He's my daddy's first cousin, but he's in my generation. And I will admit that Sometimes I call him to give me a prescription for something like a sinus infection or whatever. And he doesn't make me come in. But if you're going to get cured by Jesus, you're going to have to come in. You're going to have to come to him. He's not going to call it in. You're going to have to come to him. And you're going to have to uh, get rid of your stubborn pride. And you're going to have to come to him. And you're going to have to do it just like he says do it. You know, a lot of times, uh, doctors uh, dismiss patients. And I heard of this the other day. I'm not going to say who it was. You might know. They dismiss them because, you know, the, 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 uh, the patient comes to the doctor and wants help from the doctor. And the doctor says, okay. I want you to do it this way. I'm going to give you this routine that I want you to do. I want you to take this medicine. I want you to quit eating these foods. I want you to exercise and stop eating those white powdered donuts and chocolate milk in the middle of the night, every night, and quit eating all that ice cream on Wednesday night in a big old special bowl. You got to quit that. And about six months later, you go back to the doctor and you, you're sicker than you were to begin with. And he says, have you been, have you been uh, following my prescription? No, I hadn't been taking my medicine. I've been eating all this bad food. I hadn't been, I hadn't been doing anything you said. Well, why do you think you're going to get better if you don't do what the doctor says, you're not going to get any better. Well, in other words, the blood of Christ must be applied to the soul if that person wants to be saved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 7, uh, the Bible says, Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So Christ... Jesus, 
the Son of God was uh, likened unto the Passover lamb of the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 to 23, you remember the Passover. Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Draw you out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, Egyptians and when he sees the blood Upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Now why did uh, Paul refer to Jesus as the Passover? Well, back then, they, in that particular instance, they took the hyssop, they dipped it in the, blood, in the basin where the blood was, the blood of the, the lamb, and they struck it struck the two side posts and the top posts of the door. And when the angel of death came through the land, if that house had the blood where he said put it, he's going to skip over. And he was not going to allow the firstborn to be, his life to be taken. On the day of judgment, when God looks at each person individually. He's going to say, basically, he's going to be asking one question. Do I see any blood? Or not? He's not going to be saying, how much money did he accumulate over the years? How many old, uh, older ladies, older ladies did he help out? There's a lot of people that help out, do good things that are, they don't have blood. They don't, their soul is not, uh, don't have the blood of Jesus on it. There's a lot of people out there doing some good stuff. But it's not in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in the name of humanity, I guess, or, or whatever. He's going to look at me and you on the day of judgment. He's going to say, do I see the blood? And if he says, all I can see is my son's blood right there. I can't see anything else. He's going over here on the right hand with the sheep. And if he looks at that person, he says, I don't see any blood. I don't see any blood. And that person says, well, I... I gave a lot to the poor and I did a lot of good things. He says, I don't see any blood. That's what he's looking for is the blood. And if he doesn't see any blood, goats on the left. And that's the truth. And how can a person get in contact with that blood. That's, that's the bottom line of the whole Bible. How can a person come in contact with that blood? And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. He's talking about the judgment day right here. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that Know not God. So the first bunch is they don't know God. They ain't got any idea who he is because they hadn't read the scriptures. They hadn't been to church. They hadn't been taught. They have no idea who God is. They think they know. But the God in their mind does not match up with the God in the scriptures. It's not the same one. He says that, do, that know not God and that have obeyed not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction for the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Don't know God and hadn't obeyed the gospel. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, the scripture says, 
Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begin, first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So what is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel is the good news. The good news that we don't have to go to hell for all of eternity. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, that is exactly where we'd be, all be heading, except for these little children right here and all the little children that died prematurely. So how do you obey a message? Well, there's no, uh, there's no anything to obey in the New Testament. You ever heard that? Well, why did he say, if you don't obey the gospel, then you're not going to get to go to heaven? So that implies that there must be some kind of something that you got to obey. There's some kind of, uh, there's some kind of thing that you must obey. In John chapter 6, verses 44 and 45, No man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. You see, these little children that are gathered up here learning these scriptures, they're being taught. They'll never forget it. I'm telling you. Um, if you commit something to memory like that, over and over and over, I think one brother said they've been doing it seven years. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. You're not going to forget it. Now you might forget a few things that you committed to memory that you really didn't commit, but when it's way down in there and you've been saying it for seven years, you'll never forget it. And when these little kids get out on their own and they begin to face temptation, they're going to remember they were taught as a child to stay away from certain things. Y'all are doing a good job. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So after you learn, you must be taught. After you learn, you must obey. You know, it's a lot easier to believe that Jesus is the Son of God in your heart. It's a lot easier to believe it than it is to obey Him. A lot easier. So in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9, the scripture says, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And I, you know, I can't judge the hearts of men. I don't have that power. But a lot of these false teachers that are teaching uh, the faith only and all that kind of stuff, it's convenience. Because, you know, if that's true, then I can be fishing Sunday morning on the first day of the week whenever all the Christians are so-called Christians. Well, if I'm supposed to be in service to God on a specific time at a specific place, but I'm, I'd rather go fishing or I'd rather catch up on laundry or I'd rather... I work on my truck, or I'd rather do this, or I'd rather do that. So basically, you can do that and be fine, just as long as you believe. 
But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you must believe and obey him. See, that's a lot bigger deal to obey than it is just to believe. And these, these preachers, they'll tell you, well, you got you know, just believe as long as you're sending that check. I shouldn't have said that, but that's really what they want. They want to make sure you're sending that check, and then, then you, you can go fishing. As long as you send the check. But they'll answer for that, too. Number four, and finally, sometimes the great physician prescribes strong medicine to his patients. With physical diseases, the treatment sometimes can be very uncomfortable or painful. Um, you, can, you can just take your pick. Some of these treatments are worse than the disease in some cases. Some of it is very, very painful. And with the spiritual disease, some of the treatments, uh, some, of, some of Jesus' commands uh, can be very difficult to follow in a physical sense. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 40, And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they, they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. We're living in a great time in the history of man. You know, we're relatively safe in this building, I feel like. I feel like we're relatively safe. If I wanted to march right down here to the capital and stand on the top step and start preaching my heart out. Nobody is going to come shoot me, probably. The law is not the law enforcement is not going to come down there and try to handcuff me and put me in jail. There's not going to be a big mob of people with big long swords come out and try to chop my head off. You can go anywhere that you want to in this state, in this nation, relative, generally speaking. Generally speaking. You can go most anywhere in this country and preach the gospel and nobody's going to bother you. They might talk bad about you or say you're some kind of religious nut. I don't care. Let them call me whatever they want. That's fine. I, would, I like for them to call me stuff like that. That gets me going. But... You know, this, this time right here, you, if you were caught preaching the gospel, that's pretty much a death sentence, or at least a good beating. So we don't really know what it's like to preach the gospel knowing that if you get caught, you're going to get about 39 good hard licks, or they may just go ahead and kill you. And let me tell you, there's some folks in this world that will kill you in a heartbeat for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You go somewhere in another country over there in the Middle East, and you go to the, the wrong side of town in the wrong country, and you get your Bible out, and you start preaching to see how long you last. They're coming for you. Well, sometimes... To follow Jesus, you're going to have to uh, take some, some difficult medicine. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 38, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth not after me is not worthy of me. Let me give you a good example of that one. You got this... Um, 
this Christian man, this Christian woman, and their son gets married and he gets a divorce for irreconcilable differences. Not for fornication. Okay? His wife uh, didn't commit fornication against him. They get a divorce. God hates divorce, but they get a divorce. It was not for fornication, and this couple's son is dating another woman and about to try to marry this woman. And what do you do? You do what the Bible says. You mean to tell me that I'm going to have to turn my back on my son? Yeah. That's exactly what he said. Not many people are willing to do that. I would think that some that this man would rather take a bullet than to do what he knows he has to do. But sometimes that medicine is so hard to take. And then you get these namby-pamby preachers that tell them, well, you don't, hey, you don't have to just, hey, let them start over and then everything's fine. That's not what the scripture says. That's not what it says. Or maybe that uh, man has a, a child that is unfaithful and is still trying to associate and have to withdraw fellowship. Why, why is it more of that going on, I wonder? It's too difficult. No, it's not too difficult, but the people that are in charge, we're just not going to do that one. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition that they received of us. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14, And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that they may be ashamed. In Romans chapter 16, verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which caused divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 13, But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man or a brother is, caught, is to be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or railer or drunkard or an extortioner, with such and one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do ye not judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judgeth. Put away, therefore, from yourselves that wicked person. And we're about to run out of time, but... And I have no idea about Panama Street. If you're thinking I'm picking out some kind of thing here, I'm not, because I don't know. But do you mean to tell me that there is not anybody in the state? I hadn't heard of withdrawal of fellowship, and I don't know when. So this person that's remarried unscripturally, we're just going to let it slide. That's tough medicine. That's tough medicine. But the question is, and that, that's when you really find out if a person loves God or not. It's easy to say, I love God when everything's good. But let that person's child 
start getting involved in willful sin and are they going to withdraw? Are they going to discipline? Or are they going to say, well, after I studied a little more, I kind of see, you see? That's not good. So my question tonight is, do you need the doctor? Now, the good thing about Jesus is that he is available 24-7, 365. If you're here tonight and you have never obeyed the gospel, if you are of the age where you can determine right from wrong, you know what sin is, you know that, it, you, know that you, have, you realize that you have sinned, and then you realize that if you died tonight, you would not go to heaven. And if you died tonight and God looked at you, would he see his son's blood or would he not? In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. And in Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You can take that to the bank. Don't listen to these denominational preachers. Don't listen to these people that are lying to you. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You can believe that one. You can believe it because it's in the scriptures. And then from that point forward, you start living a faithful life to God, not a perfect life. Nobody's perfect, but you can be faithful. Be ye faithful unto death, you shall receive a crown of life. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. If you obeyed the gospel and you strayed away, you'd like to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If there's any way we can help you tonight, please let it be known as we stand and sing. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today. Sunshine of love will thou roll Father and Father away Calling today Calling today Jesus is calling is tenderly calling today Jesus is pleading Oh listen to his voice Here and today shall rejoice quickly arise and away calling today calling today Jesus is calling is tenderly calling today be seated please 343. Upon the banks of Jordan stood the great reformer John, and I see the blood of the Lamb. As we sing this song, if you'll make your way to either one of the front pews, if you've not had an opportunity to partake in the Lord's Supper, you will be served. <clears throat> we'll sing the first verse of this song, please. Let us sing. Upon the banks of Jordan stood the great reformer John and pointed to the Lamb of God, the long-expected one. Now I see the blood of the Lamb. 
Now I see the blood of the Lamb. Tis the blood of Jesus, the crucified one. Now I see the blood of the Lamb. For those who are preparing food and stuff, okay. Uh, Conrad tells me that they need you need to have a quick meeting real quick uh, over in the, the classroom here after services about the singing and the preparation of the food for that. If you're involved in that, please uh, make sure that you attend the meeting. 336. I'll never forsake my Lord. 336. Jason, thank you so much for a wonderful lesson, a good reminder of who the great physician is and what he's done for us and how that he can take care of us. Despite sometimes our choosing not to obey, not to listen. You know, if someone goes to hell, I heard this this morning from the, Brother Don Blackwell up at, uh, at South Haven. If, if someone goes to hell, it's not because God wanted them to be there. It's because they chose to be there. And it's up to us to decide. And that great physician can take care of us. 336, let's stand please as we sing the first verse of this. And we'll be dismissed in prayer. <clears throat> Though my cross may be hard to bear, though my life may be filled with care, though misfortune be mine to share, I'll never forsake my Lord. I'll never forsake the Savior. He has never forsaken me. Neath the sheltering arm, I am safe from all harm. I'll never.